Welcome to Conflict Managed. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Today on Conflict Managed, we are joined by Jessica Bench, a Canadian Indian living in Switzerland and working as an agile coach in a pharmaceutical company. She has managed many high-profile organizational change projects and led employee engagement initiatives over the course of 20-plus years. Jessica is a champion for psychological safety. In 2019, she championed a grassroots movement within the company she worked. The focus was on upholding the company values and psychological safety at work. Within two years, the efforts gained over 25,000 engagements. Jessica has been recognized with more than 20 global awards for this initiative. Jessica is now building a worldwide not-for-profit movement, Vanguard Voices, on the topic of psychological safety. She deeply believes that we do not change the world simply by keeping quiet and perpetuating the status quo. We make positive change by confronting our fears and speaking out our truth individually and collectively. Jessica is a global cosmopolitan and humanitarian and has traveled or worked in close to 40 countries. She is married to a German South African and together they have three young children. Good morning, Jessica, and welcome to Conflict Managed. Hello, thank you for having me. Well, I'm so glad to be speaking yes. with you today because as listeners know, I talk a lot about psychological safety and I am by no means an expert, but certainly a devotee and believe that it's so essential to have these healthy work environments that we want. And so I'm so excited to talk about your work with psychological safety and your international nonprofit Vanguard Voices, but that's where we'll get in the conversation. I want to begin with learning more about you and and how you started out in the world of work. So what's the first job you ever had? So the first job that I ever had was actually non-paid. And it started at the age of 12 when my, at that time, 70-year-old piano teacher encouraged me to do some volunteer work at the hospital, working with senior citizens. And I absolutely loved it. And I loved it so much that every year from the age of 12 to up till I went to university, full time over the summer, I was in the hospital talking to the seniors, giving them meals, feeding them. It was just a wonderful, gratifying experience on so many different levels. So from a volunteer perspective, it started very young, but from a paid perspective, <laughs> I, I started at the age of 16 in the evenings working at the local library as shelving books. Well, I'm interested in this experience that you had at the nursing home, because usually when people say, let's go volunteer at the nursing home, uh, usually we don't get resounding, let me come back and work full time for free. What, what was that experience like? Actually, my piano teacher, I just looked up to her. I had a deep respect for her in terms of how she carried herself and the way she spoke about the work and how meaningful it would be for me. Mm-hmm. So it it made an impact on me. It was also a little bit of fear slash respect, if I can say, because at the age of 12, I'm not going to say no to her. So I gave it a shot and I saw others who are there around my age doing the same thing. So I didn't feel that I was alone. I was the only one at that age kind of helping out. There were many others. And so I also had my group, my connections there to also share experiences with them. I think that's so lovely because a lot of times when we think about young people, we say, just do this, you know, just fall in line and do this. 
And yet we all want to find meaning. We want to know not just what to do, but why we're doing it or what, what is the value of it? And you as a young person being told what the value is and being able to experience the joy of work because you see the good that it's bringing about and you see the mission. And sometimes we just fall prey to that. This is the job, just do it and forget to really explain the meaning behind it. Yeah. You know, I was brought up in a very tight Indian community growing up in Canada and with this community, this community came from my parents' generation, you know, straight from Kerala, India. And I will always treasure what our parents gave us. And that is that sense of community, that sense of taking care of each other, checking in on each other, making sure that we're all okay. And it's something that is really deeply rooted, not only in me, but the rest of us kids. Uh, We didn't necessarily appreciate it at that time, but especially, you know, now decades later, I can see what our parents did for us. And it, it passed on subconsciously within us through the different other work that we did, you know, outside of that community. So I think there is some connection there. Um, between how I was raised and yeah, basically how I've I've carried out my life since. What a wonderful gift, the gift of community. Mm, It really is. I'm now in Switzerland and I know that I can call any one of quote unquote, the kids growing up and we haven't had contact, some of us for years, many years, but I know I have a home. I know I have a friend. I know I have family. I call them family if if I need them. And that's so precious. I the greatest gift that a, that a parent can pass uh, on to their children. Absolutely. Community, love, belonging. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, could t- continue on your trajectory of work, please. After university, I was kind of advised work in a big corporation. Because in a big corporation, there's lots of work, you're going to get lots of experience, but there's many people to share the work with. And I thought, okay, going to do it. I worked hard. I'm going to get into the one of the big corporates, which is what I did. And I quickly learned that work is not just about work. And I, I continued to work hard because that was one of the values that was instilled in me as well. But I observed a lot along the way that made me feel uncomfortable. People moving forward in their careers, mainly due to connections, the way people spoke in meetings, the way people treated each other behind the scenes. So this was something I thought, okay, maybe this is specific to one company. But then my career took me overseas. I actually worked in the UK for some time and I saw similar experiences with a different company and eventually my career has brought me to Switzerland and I've now been here for the last 19 years Hmm. and uh yeah in from an industry perspective the last three companies have been in the pharmaceutical industry as a young professional in this corporate environment for that first job and you mentioned that you saw things that made you feel uncomfortable which is very common what did you what did you do? How did you respond to that? At that age, I didn't say much. 
because I felt I was always the youngest in the room and I felt that I wasn't my place to necessarily say anything. I was also raised in such a way that you honor those in authority over you. You don't push back against management. You don't speak and definitely you do not disrespect those um, in, in management positions. And so I kept quiet most of the time. However, there was a fire inside of me in other ways. So, I mean, I, I think for all of us, we have two sides to our personality. So there's one side that went where I was quiet in meetings, et cetera. But the other side of me was, I, I remember seeing a presentation once held by the CEO of the, uh, of the company. And at that time, the company was over 100,000. And so a huge co corporation. CEO made a statement which didn't sit right with me. And I wrote him an email afterwards. And something that I think some of us sometimes lose over time, but in that moment I felt, hey, I have nothing to lose. <laughs> I'm only one year in this company, why not send him an email? And actually what happened was he invited me to have a meeting with him. And that was amazing. So yeah, there there was this dual side in terms of like speaking up to when I felt like I really had something to say. And then at the same time in my immediate team, not feeling comfortable to say anything. Hmm. Uh, a little bit of a contradiction, but uh, definitely <laughs> where I was at that point in time. That really describes many of our experiences. We speak up when... When we, when we feel like we've done the calculus and we feel like it's something we can do and or we feel like it's something we have to do. And quite honestly, I think it is just the way that we don't like everything that happens. And some of that is just us. There may not be something wrong. It could be we're having a bad day. Somebody else is having a bad day. Maybe we're just working with a bunch of humans. And so I think as we're younger, we're trying to, well, all of us are trying to figure out where that line is and when is something a one-off when is something a pattern when should I speak up do I have the ability the skills and the courage to speak up absolutely I think when you're younger you're also you're just you're discovering who you are as a person making that own self-discovery in the work world where sometimes we're putting on a mask on top of that you're also trying to figure out okay who are all the personalities around me and how do I show up in the best light given the culture or the situations that are around me? So there's there's a lot that's going on. And I think if you imagine everybody having these like internal dialogues in their head, it's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, if we could see what's going on, the thought bubbles that are going on with everybody, I think it would actually be really good because many times we think, am I alone? Am I the one who's trying to navigate and figure out? But it's it's this really universal experience. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've just thought of a movie. There's a movie out there where where the thoughts are, are expressed out loud or the other people can hear the thoughts. I forget the name of the movie. But I think it would be amazing because we would understand each other more at a deeper level. We would understand that we are human beings connecting as human beings, and there are vulnerabilities that come with that. And it's okay. 
Right, right. I think yeah. sometimes we're under this misnomer that we are these little detached computers coming into work to do our work. And we're not having yeah. responses, emotional responses. We're not taking what we had or didn't have for lunch or dinner the night before in the family or non-family issues. But we're just here doing our work. It's just vastly more complicated than that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I was just thinking today after having a, you know, the work day myself here and somebody had had approached and it was very, very abrupt and I had to take a breath <laughs> and take a step back and hold myself because I didn't want to react. And my instant react, my, my, the thought process inside was, oh my goodness, we need to be more human. It was exactly the dialogue that I was thinking of. But I had to also watch how I was showing up in that moment. Because if I had let myself react, I would have probably regretted it later. Yeah, that is such the power of being able to be self-reflective and give yourself that pause. Mm -hmm. So then that you can then decide the next course of action. And it might be that you need to say something in a pretty straightforward tone. And that's the appropriate thing. But mm -hmm. at least it's a decision rather yes. than a reaction. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'm all for speaking up. I'm all for putting the emotions on the table, but it needs to be in such a, in a thoughtful way, because if we are not thoughtful, we inadvertently can hurt others or offend others. And I, I don't think any one of us intentionally wants to do that. Right. Absolutely. And we think about what's appropriate, I think, in a work environment. So showing up, speaking up, all has to do with who you are in an environment that you're in and what is appropriate. And, you know, if I'm having a problem with somebody, but maybe it's not work related or I'm offended by some politics or something like that, really trying to figure out what does it mean for me to be here and be authentic but authentic at work. So I wondered if maybe you could speak a little bit and your perspective on this. You know, a lot of people are fond of saying, bring your whole self to work. Mm. What, what do you think about that saying? I think that not all of us are comfortable uh, and need to be comfortable to bring our whole true selves at work. I believe that there are boundaries um, for all of us. And some of us, the boundaries are a little wider and some of us are, the boundaries are a little bit closer. So I'm not a big fan of that saying, bring your whole self to work. I also think that as much as I would love to dream that work is some utopia land, at the end of the day, we are under a contract to perform a job and and to carry out those jobs in a you know in a dutiful way you know with yeah. um carrying out the values of the company so i'm not there to bring anything from my not anything but i don't need to bring all of my life history all of my personal topics from my home life and family life into the workplace because at the end of the day I do need to bring get get work done. So there is a balance. There's there's a like everything in life. There's a balance. That's as simple as that. <laughs> yes. 
So I, whole self is, um, yeah, just questionable for it in, in my mind. I really appreciate what you've said because I agree the whole self and I suppose it's because I focus on that whole to me sounds a little bit aggressive. As you said, maybe we don't feel comfortable. Maybe it is actually not appropriate given who we are in the place we are and a variety of other things, but to make a space to feel comfortable being heard and seen in an appropriate way. And so that takes wisdom and it takes time and thoughtfulness to parse that out as to what is appropriate information to share at a work environment, you know? Yeah, and we need to be mindful with the world being smaller in many ways because we are connected that much more, especially uh, through, you know, virtual calls. We need to be respectful from a culture perspective. Mm -hmm. Some cultures are just more, um, I was coaching somebody the other day and, and, and he was saying, culture in his office place was was such that they do not speak about any of their personal details they simply do not do that and it's not appropriate for for them in that situation and at least for for this particular culture so there's something from the cultural perspective Mm -hmm. um, that we need to be mindful of as well yeah that's why I suppose this one size fits all as you said it's Mm -hmm. it's moderation and it's being thoughtfully applying these ideas. And I, I think I understand the idea is that we don't want to closet people, right? We don't want to make people pretend and then penalize them because they are, you know, doing you know, being in some sort of protected class, but we don't like that, whatever, that religion, that sex, that expression, right? Yeah. We definitely want to combat that. Absolutely. But, you know, the, but still the phrase being your whole self, I think really gets misunderstood. And I think it become a burden. Like, am I not being authentic? Am I not being a good coworker? Because I don't want to share the details of my weekend. And I think you, you said the word authentic. I think authentic does, you can be authentic without bringing your whole self to work. Yeah. Absolutely. You can still be authentic in, in how you show up, in what you stand for, in what you believe but you don't need to share every detail of your life. So I don't, I don't put the two together. There's an overlap, but it's not um, absolutely uh, one-to-one match. Absolutely. And I think that for some people being authentic is holding their tongue. Some people are just more private and for them to share feels not good. It feels like they're putting on, they have to, they have to be the gregarious outgoing sharing person. And it feels awful to them. I love that. I love that you said that because there is a pressure for some people to be this in the spotlight, to put on a show because that's what's kind of accepted or understood in the workplace. But actually what's more authentic to them, as you already said, is maybe to be more reserved. Simple as that. So Jessica, when you think about the different places you've worked and people you've worked with and for, what is the best work environment you've ever had? And what was good about it for you? So the best work environment was when my, in in this case, my my manager was working out of the U.S. I was still in Canada at the time. And he offered me the opportunity to work overseas. And I think he looked at me as somebody who was young and would seize the opportunity. He saw something in me, which I would not have thought of in myself first. And so in him offering me that, it, didn't take me long to say yes. 
And I just so appreciated that opportunity. And when I went overseas, what I also appreciated with him was the full trust that went with it in carrying out my duties. And I can give you one story that goes with this. I was making a lot of calls back home, so back to Canada, and a lot of um, long distance calls, of course. And while I was using the company card, um, and, and I thought I was following all the rules quite fine, one day I received an email from HR copying my manager, and it said, you are on the list of the top 10 employees with the highest amount of uh, phone, phone charges. And I got scared, <laughs> very scared. But it took only a half an hour later with the time difference and everything, half an hour later, my manager immediately wrote back and said, Jessica's on an overseas assignment. She's fully authorized to uh, with these charges. I fully authorize her with these charges. That meant the world to me. What he proved to me was that he had my back mm -hmm. and he responded so quickly. And he doesn't know, I mean, that's 20 years ago. And, and here I am still talking about it. It made such an impression that I'll always be grateful for. That's such a wonderful example because to him in his life or whatever he was doing, it's just a little blip. But to be on the top 10 for possible you know, charges that you shouldn't have been doing, or probably felt may have felt that way for him yeah. to immediately see and know you well enough to know, oh, this is, this is a problem. And it, it, you might be feeling really terrible. And I'm going to, I'm going to speak up right away because this is absolutely fine. And as you said, to have your back, it takes so little sometimes from somebody else to recognize us. And it means so much to be seen and, and cared for and gone to bat for. Yeah. You know, and there's an expression, you know it better probably than me, but people remember how they make you feel and not, not necessarily the words that they say, but how you make they make you feel. And I just felt so protected and valued. And I still even remember the moment, you know, sit, I was sitting in the hotel, um, checking the emails and saw that through. I can saw the email come through and feeling that sense of also relief. Yeah. that I was not alone. So yeah, it's um, made a huge impression, huge impression um, that I would wish for everyone, you know, that sense of you're not alone in the office place. So yeah, that that's, uh, was a wonderful experience looking back. Oh, that's fantastic. It's so wonderful to have bosses to speak into our lives and, and not only recognize, but help us on our journey and help develop our confidence and our and help us to flourish into the mm -hmm. next role instead of just seeing us as worker bees, seeing us as people. Yeah, you know, when I, I did eventually leave that team and and move to another company because it was just the right time, the the project was ending. But I remember one of his final words on the on the team call was, you rock, Jessica. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it was, again, that feeling of I'm championing you, you know, even when you're not here. Mm -hmm. That was the sense he gave me. Um, and yeah, it's it's, again, that wonderful feeling of not being alone. And having leaders 
model their values because he obviously did not want you to leave. But he had certain kinds of values where he valued you and your autonomy and wanted good things for you, even at the expense of him, right? That was going to cost him. But we really see what people value when it's going to negatively impact them in some way. And to still be consistently a values-based leader, even in situations like this. So we all have negative experiences at work. Uh, Is there a particular situation that you can share with us about a difficult situation or conflict and, and how you dealt with it? Yeah, there was one situation when I had gone through the rounds of interviews and then um, they offered me the position. And of course I accepted the position and I accepted it because I love the manager. You know, half the time when we accept a position is because we have some sort of connection with the manager. When I started on the first day, he, you know, took me through all the responsibilities. I was the chief of staff um, to, to his department. And on the second day, he told me he was leaving. And I mentioned this because <laughs> I was quite floored and quite surprised. It was just not what I expected. And so as he left, a new manager came in. She obviously didn't choose me to be her chief of staff. And so it took some time for us to find our rhythm. And during that time of finding our connection, I did something perhaps I should not have done. It's debatable. But we were having a team workshop. And in the team workshop, we had a facilitator who invited us to put the fish on the table. Now, fish on the table means that we had two, three, four um, chairs in the middle of a circle. Everyone was sitting in the circle around, around the chairs with the exception of three or four colleagues sitting in the middle. And in the middle, they were saying, you know, what they appreciated about the team and what are some opportunities, what are basically some stinky fish that we want to let the, the stink out so that we can be that much more strong as a team. And there was an empty seat and I was sitting there, you know, on, on the edge of the circle thinking, should I go in? Should I not? I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm the chief of staff. I'm supposed to be re- representing my manager, but I do have things to say, but I, um, and she hasn't heard me, you know, till now. So what I did was I went in the middle and I said my piece and I said it in a way which was as thoughtful as I could, but I know that there was emotion behind the words. You know, and my peers definitely felt that it could hear the emotion through the suggestions and thoughts that I were presenting, but it really put my manager on the spot. And so this was a challenging situation or a challenging period of time, but particularly with this event, I saw behaviors that followed, which actually in, in one sense, deteriorated our relationship even more. And it was extremely challenging because we're invited to speak up and yet I felt the effects afterwards. But with that, I had a lot of learnings too. Wow. I mean, it takes a lot of courage. And, and yet I wonder, as you were saying, as you said, it's a mixed bag that I'm, I'm not sure, like I I don't know if I would do it, but I don't think it's because it's a a wisdom thing. It's, I 
do lack a lot of trust in organizations. I mean, that's getting to psychological safety, right? I don't right. know about the stinky fish. I mean, to me, so many things would have to be in place. I, I, I don't know if I would ever recommend that to a team. I think if you could recommend that to a team, they would already be at a place where they wouldn't need to do that. I'm not sure. What do you think about now, knowing what you know about that method for clearing the air? I'm still a big proponent for clearing the air, but you're absolutely right. There is a number of other measures that need to be in place before you come to that place yeah. of, of stinky fish. Looking back at that time, I think also the where I was in terms of my thought process and the debate I was having in my head, I sh could have, should have maybe held back. As, as difficult as it was for me to go in the middle, I should have just really kept myself in the back because of the role that I was playing, you know, with, with her at that time. Having said that, I do, I'm a big proponent that everything happens for a reason. And um, with everything happening for a reason, there are lessons to be learned. And with that, you know, with lessons to be learned, then you can channel for, for good later. The lessons I learned from that are not everybody is the same as me. So even if I come in the middle with good faith and really believing that my what I say is going to be taken on and listened to openly, it doesn't mean they're going to receive it in the way that I intend. Um, it doesn't mean that they have the same values as me. This is a hard learning for me because I, I, I continue to learn this. I continue to believe that, oh, everybody comes from a place of, yeah, open hearts, open willingness, open minds. But yes, everybody has their different perspectives. So I, this is a learning for me. What I also learned was, yes, exactly what you said, this, the experiences that we have in organizations can become very ugly. And I did see a lot of ugliness that followed that event. Mm -hmm. And while it caused a lot of pain while I was going through it, my family saw me go through it. And this, I'm not talking about pain that carried over for a week after the event. I'm talking about years, years of basically repercussion. At the same time, I was also pushing back against those repercussions. So I wasn't willing to let that just happen to me. I was also willing to continue to speak up, mm -hmm. if that, you know, makes sense. Yeah. So there was this kind of battle that was going on. But in my mind, and what I continue to believe, if you have values so deeply rooted, you need to speak up. And I need to be true to who I am, back to authenticity. When I look at myself in the mirror, if I have to go, you know, if today I, I go, my time has passed, I go in peace because mm -hmm. I have done everything I possibly can, you know, in, in this race of life. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's the lesson is just keep going. It's hard, but keep going and and you will find your purpose. And actually, it's what's led me to where I am today mm -hmm. in many ways. I um, love that, you know, personal integrity. We all want to be better tomorrow than we are today. We want to continue to grow and learn. And we do the best with what we have at the time. And mm -hmm. what is even right for 
me today might not have been what was right for me 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I also, I also, I'm an, it sounds like you're an optimist. I'm an optimist. When it comes to work and other places, we can't control other people's intentions and we can't control other people's actions, but we can control how we show up and, and what we value and putting that out in the world and how we want to work for that good, always working Mm -hmm. for the good. But some of us are silent and we care for one another at work in these silent touches. And some of us are more overt. And I think it's Mm -hmm. appropriate given your conscience and where you are and everything else you're balancing. It's back to being true to yourself. I cannot pretend to be less than who I am. I just don't know how to be that anymore. And while it's uncomfortable to speak out, for me, who is actually a natural introvert, a natural reflector, my values are so deeply rooted back to community back to our, back to humanity. So I see the human before everything else. Mm-hmm. And so it's my duty. I, I I have to, I just have to. And I, I, I will add here to add, you know, to my personality, I'm a woman of faith. And, and that's kind of also what roots me in all of this. Mm-hmm. The faith that in this life, we all have a mission, each one of us. And You know, my colleague's mission may be different than my mission, but how dare me to get in the way of their mission as they are to get in in the way of mine, in the sense that we should all be uplifting each other for a greater good, for a better world, which sounds hokey, but it's it's, it's truly the way I feel um, so deep inside. (laughs) It just is true. We are all on this journey together. And as part of the reason I've gotten into this work is that it breaks my heart that we have these organizations that sometimes are cesspools and treating people in inhumane ways as if these power structures are real. That's not the real. What's real is you've got a bunch of people who deserve to be treated not only with dignity and respect, but in environments where they thrive. And if that's not happening, there's no excuse. I mean, you can have a worldwide pandemic. It's no excuse for not treating people excellently. There's no excuse. And just because you have a title beside your name does not make you more of anything than anybody no. else. Right. It's just, it's just a title. Just and a title. I've been in the workplace long enough to see, you know, a number of people it's not even just a few, a number of people in high positions who have, if I can say, fallen from grace. And so it's, it's, it's a moment that they have, it's a title, and it's one that they should treasure, because they are responsible for the people that they serve in that position. But it doesn't make anyone better than another. No, absolutely. It does not. Titles are irrelevant as where it comes to whether or not you care and love your fellow person, you know, Mm -hmm. how you act. And I would say with more power does come more responsibility, because as you said, you are responsible to run organizations um, so that they don't run into the ground because it's people's livelihood. It has to do with the communities in which they're found. And so not only we have an obligation to keep our organizations running and healthy 
and producing in a way that is beneficial, but to, of course, the people with inside the organizations, which sounds like this initiative um, that you have been working on for quite some time and won a lot of awards. So if you could tell us about your work on psychological safety and how you've established um, your international nonprofit Vanguard Voices. Well, it started actually from this experience that I was mentioning earlier, where I really was discovering during that time that how much I how uncomfortable it was for me to speak out and how much fear I had along the way and that I was not alone. And actually in the company, I had invited a group of, I was on stage in front of 500 colleagues and I said, hey, we have great values as a company. We do appreciate this company so much, but there is one area that we can work on and that is feeling free to express our thoughts without fear. And I think that we can do things differently. And from a grassroots level, working with, with leaders at all levels, I think that we can really embed this in the company. And if you believe what I believe, I want to link arms with you. That's essentially what I said to this audience. And about 50 people raised their hands afterwards. And we started this group. And internally, we were promoting these messages about psychological safety doing focus group sessions, doing global event sessions, doing surveys, et cetera. And again, talking to leaders at all levels. And it was along this time and COVID came in between as well. I, I thought, hey, the world, this is not one company's topic. This is a human topic. And the world is crying out in this virtual time. We're saying more, talking more and more about psychological safety. I think a movement is needed at a global level. And so that's why we founded um, Vanguard Voices. It's a not-for-profit global movement in order to prioritize psychological safety at the, yeah, basically bring it to the top of workplace agendas. And a movement takes time. So I do feel that this is in the building phase and a movement is different than a company in that we are looking to have volunteers, to have people to beat the drum with us in a steady way and consistent way in order so that we can make the noise that's needed. And so, yeah, that's how Vanguard Voices has been born. And I see a lot of opportunity with this. Could you define psychological safety for some people who are maybe unsure what it means? Oh, psychological safety is when you feel safe Feel free to express your thoughts and ideas, your suggestions, without fear of a negative consequence. What a wonderful agenda, right? To have healthy workplaces. And since I've been in the space for a few years now and thinking about, because my, my issue is very focused on workplace conflict resolution and helping people have these conversations and really trying to help people understand why they're not having them. Uh, you know, the negative impact of not having them and trying to help them find the reason to do it, but also knowing they won't do it if they don't feel psychologically safe, either with that person or that group or the organization. As you said, from that wonderful boss, if you if that person doesn't have your back, people aren't going to risk it. Yeah. So what are some tips? What have you, what have you come across that is something that the everyday person can do to start bringing about that climate 
where there are these ne negative repercussions for speaking up? One of the things that you can do is basically be, first of all, be aware of how you show up. Be aware of how you're coming across in the, you watching the tone of voice, watching, you know, the words that you're using, being conscious of the reactions that are around you. I think that self-awareness is, is a real first step for all of us. Together with this, also listening to what's going on in the room, being aware of how other people are feeling and being aware of how you can show up as an ally for them as well. I think that if you are a person who is on the quieter side, it's important to find people to kind of align and you know to 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 have your back with um to to find your allies essentially people who will um speak up on your behalf even when you're not in the room so that sense of finding your people is also an important part of creating not only being aware of your actions but starting to nurture and create that climate at a bigger level beyond yourself i think it's so powerful because You've mentioned many times about the power of not being alone at work and not being by yourself. And when we reach out and we find kindred spirits, it helps us, but we can also help them, right? It's this, you know, this um, wonderful relationship that can good, good begets good. And so when we work towards looking for the positive and being the change that we want to see, we ought not be surprised that the change starts coming around. But yeah. if we say it's somebody else's problem and somebody else has to fix it, we shouldn't be surprised when things don't change. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it starts with us and uh, that's with everything in life. We can be the, you know, the ripple effect, you know, in, in a company. But I also recognize you need more, more and more people uh, to be doing the same thing. I, I love that you picked up. On, I didn't recognize it in myself as I was saying it, but I love that you picked up that we don't need to feel alone at work. I think why I, I, I stress that point or perhaps why I've said it a few times is with all the people that I've spoken with over the years and collected stories around how they have felt um, safe or not safe in the workplace, those who have not felt as safe, uh, when they were hearing the stories of others, they recognized, hey, I'm not alone. And it's a powerful statement because sometimes we think it's just us and maybe it's isolated to just this team or this company or even this country. But actually it's a human experience that, you know, transcends, you know, all boundaries. And I I believe that these stories, both positive and not so positive, need to be shared mm -hmm. so that we can all know that we are these these are natural these are human experiences and it just elevates our own um, understanding and awareness of the whole topic of psychological safety absolutely when we shine a light on something it's uh now we make a dis more of a decision about what we're going to do and move forward and when we say i need help or or we hear about other people and say oh, okay I, I, this is something somebody else did and that's why i do like to talk about I mean, this this podcast is about toxic work environments and how to fix them. And I'd like to hear about negative experiences because they are universal. And when I hear somebody else and how they dealt with it, 
it's not that I think I'm going to do the same thing, but I hear how they solved their problem. And then I can imagine, would that work for me or what would work for me? But something will work for me and something will work for you. And it's finding that solution because there's a solution. Yeah. And then many times, those of us who are going through those difficult situations end up ruminating, mm-hmm. reflecting again, again, again. I can say it for myself. The number of times I was sitting at the dinner table present in body, but not in spirit with my own children and my husband around the table. Because I was just thinking over and over in circles, what can I do? What should I have done? What can I do differently? Oh, I don't know what to do. Who should I talk to? All of these conversations in my head and basically feeling alone. But when you hear the stories of others, you think maybe there are other solutions out there and it gives you hope. Absolutely. So if somebody wants to get in, involved with Vanguard Voices or or to find some resources, what, what do you suggest they do? Well, the first thing they can go to is our website, and our website is vanguardvoices.com. With such a movement, there are no shortage of volunteer opportunities. <laughs> um, if they are of a passion about this topic of psychological safety, first of all, contact us so that we can beat the drum together and um, through social media, through blogs, through podcasts. um, There are a number of different ways we can do that. That's probably the best step. And the first step I would request any volunteer, interested volunteer to do. Wonderful. Well, Jessica, my last question for you before I let you go, because it's very getting very late there. When you think about your children out in the workforce, What do you want to have happened in the world of work so that they do enter places where they feel free to be a part of the workforce without negative repercussions because they are speaking up? So I truly believe that by the time my children get into the workforce, which is about 10 years away at this point, but I truly believe that we will come to a point (laughs) and they will experience a world of work where they can have natural conversations Mm -hmm. where they don't have to worry and think and, you know, rethink through all the words and how they show up in a paranoid way. Mm -hmm. It's fine to second guess and to, and to be conscious of how we show up, but not in a way in an unhealthy way where you have to feel like you're watching your back. And so conversations are very natural. They can have more brainstorming. It's exciting. There's a lot of creativity that's thriving. You know, everything we talk about with psychological safety, but in a way that feels like, in one sense, work is not work because it's fun. I'm bringing all of my best ideas. Maybe they're not always received well, But it's okay because my colleagues and I are in this together and we're focused on our work, our team mission, our company mission, you know, together as one. Love that. Natural conversations. I'm going to have to think about that. That is so evocative to me of of having a good, healthy human atmosphere. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for your time. I've so greatly enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Thank you for having me. Best of luck with your your initiative with Vanguard Voices and everything else you do. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Jessica, it has been such a treat to talk with you today. Thank you for your work and your global non-for-profit movement with Vanguard Voices. Thank you for listening to Conflict Managed. We have new episodes every Tuesday, so please come back. My new book, How to Be Unprofessional at Work, Tips to Ensure Failure, which is 80 tips of what not to do at work, and starts a conversation about how we can have a positive work environment, hopefully to bring about what Jessica was talking about, which is normal conversations. Conflict Managed is produced by third-party workplace conflict restoration services and hosted by me, Mary Brown. You can find us online at 3pconflictrestoration.com. Our music is courtesy of Dove Pilot. And remember, conflict is normal and to be expected. Let's deal with it. Until next time, take care.